In this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, I drive all the way from London to North Wales in an electric car that, in theory, won't need to recharge to complete the journey. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth and I'm on the road. Only, what, the second or third on-the-road episode of Gareth Jones on Speed in the last 12 or 18 months because of the travel restrictions that happened because of lockdown. But now, as they're easing, we're all on the road again, including your favourite podcaster. Well, I don't know if he's on the road, but I am. (laughs) Actually, if I'm being honest... I think I like the lockdown period better than now because I left my home in North London, Hackney, Hackney, at about two o'clock and I didn't get to the bottom of the M1 until 3.30, an hour and a half. Now, it normally takes about 45, 50 minutes in average London traffic and during lockdown you can do it really, really quickly. Not that I did it only once, I think, or twice during lockdown. But today, hour and a half, seems like everybody and their brother, their sister, their auntie, their clone are on the road. And that's okay, because I'm in a very relaxing environment. If you've seen the picture that goes with the show and you've read the blurb, you'll know that the car I'm driving is an Audi e-tron sportback 55 s line quattro and probably something else as well yes e-tron the audi sub brand of electric vehicles and e-tron as we know of course is the name of the cybernetic organism that will come from deep space and take over Earth at some point in the future. My name is Etron. Bow before me, humankind. Oh, I see you're using electric vehicles already. That's all right. Name them after me and I will not destroy your planet. I am Etron. I have an Audi named after me. <laughs> Can you tell I'm very happy to be out on the road? Because I'm going to Wales. I'm going to Wales. Hooray! Going to Wales for lots of reasons. Do some work meetings. See family. And see a very important friend who's having a very important birthday. So lots of reasons to make this journey. And I saw no reason to do that journey in an internal combustion engine car. So I thought, okay, let's see if Audi will let me have an e-tron. And they did. Straight away, would you like the Etron Sport back? Yes, I said with great enthusiasm and alacrity. If I knew what alacrity meant, I would actually have said it with alacrity. I'm not sure, but enthusiasm. I like the Audi Sport back. I really shouldn't, because if you think about it, it's basically the same silhouette as the BMW X6. Arguably the only car more hateful than the BMW X5. You know, that sort of sport back thing that goes on with a four-door car. I'm not sure it really works on a big SUV. I think if you've got a big SUV, you might as well have a bluff back. Maximise the space available. You've got a big car, have a vertical rear window, and you've got a proper estate car, albeit a very high-up one. This car doesn't have that, of course. It's got a sort of lift back. And it's quite attractive. I find myself standing outside the car and looking at it and trying to make up my mind about it. Does it look bulky? Not really, because of that sport back thing. Does it hide its bulk as well as a Jaguar I-Pace? No, it doesn't. I-Pace looks a lot more svelte and it's got a clever rear window it is arguably better looking than this car but I think this car's handsome definitely got presence 
certainly your presence in the colour that it is, which is on the orange side of red. Do you remember the colour that the Escort XR3 was launched in? I bet you do. If you know cars, you know exactly the colour I'm talking about. This car is pretty much that. Well, pretty much. It's slightly redder for... Yes, okay, thank you. You can see that there's traffic slowing ahead. I see the 50 mile per hour warning, thank you. Yeah, the XL3, I think Ford called that signal red, didn't they? It was really orangey. There's orangey. There's an advert flashback for you. This car's got there's orangey red on the outside. And it's a big car. I parked it nose to nose with my neighbour's Q8 the other day. And there's not much in it. It's definitely smaller than the Q8, definitely. But not much in it. It's every bit as tall. And as Zog will tell you, that's because it's an SUV. It's an electric SUV. And, of course, if you've got an electric car, the SUV... Can you hear that? Ooh. Ooh. Space ghosts. That's the sound this car makes, because it doesn't make much real sound, so it's got an artificial sound. And occasionally it sounds like a police car in the distance. Woo! I keep looking around. Space Ghost, the sound of electric cars. The sound of Etron. I am a cybernetic space ghost called Etron. Sorry, I'll, <laughs> I'll get over that in a minute. Sorry, as Zog will tell you, an SUV is a great shape for an electric car. Because you can have all your batteries low and sit people on top of it. Tesla managed to do that by having the batteries in between the axle line. This, because it's a bit SUV-ish, has the battery pack above the axle line, oh, it has it. And I've only driven it through slow old London today. But I have done a couple of quickly corners when it opened up. And it doesn't roll like an SUV. That's because all the mass is low down. It always makes me laugh when you think of the term SUV. What does it stand for? I know what it means. You know, it means a big 4x4, doesn't it? But think of what it actually stands for. S-U-V. Sporting utility vehicle. And the idea that something that big can be sporting, something that tall can be sporting, seems a bit of an anathema, doesn't it? But I would say that this is actually sporting. After all, it is a quattro, so we'll put the power down as you need it, and there's plenty of it. I think the 0-62 time is something like 5.9 seconds in this car, which I'll need to check, which is actually, if you think about it, quite good for a car that weighs 40 kilograms less than two and a half tons. Oh! It's a heavy car, isn't it? Two and a half tons. That's sort of Bentley and Rolls-Royce territory, isn't it? Very, very heavy car. And the reason that it's so heavy, of course, is its battery pack, which gives it this range. Now, the battery pack on this version, I think, is 95 kilowatt hours. I think that's right. I'm remembering the blurb I've read. I haven't got it before me. I'll have to check that when I charge. But will I charge on this journey? This is the thing. Because the car was delivered yesterday. And then yesterday afternoon, I went out to practice charging it. Because, you know, charging an electric car is relatively straightforward. But you don't want to discover when you get to the only charging point on the motorway that you haven't got the right card or your app doesn't work or you've got the wrong connecting cable or anything like that. So I thought I'd go off and top it up because the car arrived sort of three quarters charged. So off I went to try and find some local charging points. And unfortunately, I couldn't use the Source London public charging devices that are on the street near my house in London because their app simply won't work on my phone. I've got, what, Android 9 point something on it, and it just crashes. Open up the app crash. Open up the app crash. It won't work. Please take over steering the car manually. I am doing... I mean, um, full level two and a bit autonomy mode at the moment, by the way. More on that later. Yeah, so I couldn't use the local chargers 
which are fairly low anyway. I think they're about 7 or 14 kilowatts. So I thought I'd go and explore and try and find some new fast chargers. Because this car will allow you to super fast charge, rapid charge. And that's interesting. That makes a big difference to the practicality of any electric vehicle. So I headed off and I found a BP Pulse charger. And isn't it interesting how we have electric car charging points in petrol stations now? And companies like BP and Shell are moving over to providing green energy, you might say, electricity for cars. And when I got to the pump, worked out which side to plug it in because this car has got two charging ports either side of the bonnet, just about where the bonnet meets the hinge for the front door and they're hidden behind a little panel oh, and I love this panel possibly one of the best things about this car the panel that you press to uncover the charging port it's not like a hinged petrol cover. It's got a kind of cantilever... Pantechnican, is that the right term? What do you call those electrical pickups on the roofs of trains that are a bit like an accordion? They squash and stretch. Pantograph, that's the word. They move up and down with the overhead wires. Well, the hinge on the cover for the electric port on this car. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Press a button on the port and it opens up. And like I said, it's got two. On one side, you've got a CCS, the combined charging system. And on the other side, you've got... Uh, what do they call that other one? Not Chademo. It's not Chademo. But a sort of standard charging port, like you get on the Leaf and lesser cars and by that I don't mean lesser cars I mean cars with shorter range you know and so it took me a minute to work out which side I need to be to make use of the charging connection available at the BP Pulse charging point and it just so happened it was on the right hand side the driver's side and as I was parked nose into this charging point and the cable connected on the left it was a slightly inelegant reach from one side of the parking bay to the other it was a bit like you know when you go to fill up your car with petrol and you've parked on the wrong side you know your petrol filler is on the opposite side of the pump slightly awkward so I've got to work out the elegant solution for that perhaps reversing but if I do that the cable then will obscure the driver's door so is either side of the bonnet the optimum place for a charging port perhaps not I think the nose or the tail might be the better option so I plugged the car in opened up my app started charging using the app relatively straightforward it wouldn't give me a bargain price on the electricity because I'm not a subscriber and I had to swipe my credit card to get it to start charging but then it charged and boy did it charge quickly now forgive me I was slightly taken aback at the figures when I saw them I think that CCS charge point I was on had the ability to charge at 175 kilowatts now I think it charged at 135 kilowatts at the time when I was there depends on you know other cars charging on the network so you've got like a an upper ability but it was certainly 135 kilowatts that's a proper charging speed I was there for 25 minutes and I went from a range of 150 seven miles or thereabouts to a range of 218 miles that's what it offered me in that 25 minutes which was just enough time to go and have a wee have a cup of coffee eat some chewies and then bang it was charged it was great and that's not the end of it because this car will charge up to i believe 350 kilowatts 
Now, that means you've got to find a charging point in the UK that delivers at that sort of pace. And there are some now. I don't think there are any north of Rugby. I think there's one, the Ionity multi-charging station, whatever it's called, in Milton Keynes. There's one there. I think there's one of BP Pulse have opened a rapid charger somewhere nearby as well. And ideally, I would have hit that and charged on the way up. But it seems a bit silly stopping so early. Well, I'll have plenty of electrons in my tank, my battery. So I'm not going to stop up and charge there on the way up. But I will explore that possibility, I think, on the way back. I want to see this car get hot. I want to see it glow. I want it to charge so quickly it gets slightly bigger and heavier. <laughs> Take that Tesla. Last time I drove a Tesla they were charging about 150 kilowatts and I know Tesla have upgraded their supercharger network now and I don't know are they charging at what 250 kilowatts now possibly even 300 kilowatts I don't know. But if I can charge this car at 350 kilowatts, man, that'll be like an 80% charge in 30 minutes or something like that. From zero, practically, or from 20%, who knows? We'll have to see. You know, you only discover these things in use, and you have to adapt to an electric car. You know, you have to manage your expectations. It's not like driving an internal combustion engine car. There's a certain amount of planning and understanding that has to go on. Understanding that you've got a car that you can't just top up in seconds and go. But with this, if you find the appropriate charging point, you can top up in minutes rather than hours. That makes a big difference. Now, the range on this car, when I hit the bottom of the motorway, I think it was about 180 miles, it said. And the journey I'm doing today to my sister's house near Mould, Urwithgrig, as we say in Welsh, is about 170 miles. So in theory, I don't need to charge at all. I could turn up at Karis's and then think about charging afterwards. But, just to be safe, I'm probably going to charge up, I don't know, Wrexham or somewhere nearby when I sit just before I visit my sister. So I know I've got the electrons for the rest of the journey, which is to head towards Trelawned, which is where my brother lives and is where I'm staying tonight. And then on beyond that to Conwy and Bangor and perhaps even Caernarvon. So I'm going to be exploring northwest Wales, where I know Ecotricity supply recharging points on main roads, the electric highway, and I actually get my electricity at home now from Ecotricity, which means if I charge up using their points on the public network, I get a better rate for that recharge than I would as a casual user. I've got a combined account, I think, I think, can't remember. Yeah, some of the rapid charging places charge you something like 25p per kilowatt, is that right? Or is it 25p per minute charge? I'm not sure. I haven't done loads of research because that's what this journey is for. It's an exploration into where we're at now with electric cars and we've come a long way in the few years. When was it I did the journey from London to Liverpool in a Nissan Leaf? Was that 2016, something like that? Maybe even before then. And if you remember that episode, that was quite a journey because most of the ecotricity points I came across simply didn't work. I ended up on a flatbed truck being taken to somewhere, then finding somewhere I could charge. I had to cross over the motorway to the southbound because the chargers weren't working on the northbound. So all that sort of shtick used to happen. But as you know from organized exploits in the excellent Hyundai Kona electric the electric recharging network now is substantially better do you remember we did sort of a treasure hunt thing with the Kona that took us up to Lincolnshire and Yorkshire in the car without having to recharge and then found easy charging on the way back and then of course we did 
12 months ago, two years ago now, when was it? Two years ago, we did an attempt on Lijog, Lens End to John O'Groats, L-E-A-O-G, Lijog, in an electric Kona, and we very nearly did it, didn't we? Very nearly, we got close, and if the Ecotricity Charging Network had actually charged at 43 kilowatts, like it promised, actually charged at something like 20 something kilowatts, you know, if it delivered what it promised, we'd have done it. So let's see. Let's see if I can find some fast recharging or even reasonable rate recharging points to top this car up. Where are we now? Oh, Aylesbury. The junction for the A5 for Aylesbury, I should say. I'm on the M1 using the level two and a bit autonomy on this car, which I have to say is really good. There is no slalom shuffling between the lines. You know, some cars tend to shuffle, you know, they look for a safe line when they're reading the two white lines to decide what route to take down the middle of a lane. This car's very good. It's not fidgeting, it's not twitching, it's nice and stable. One of the most stable I've ever experienced, I'd say. Certainly better than that Volvo, I think, and perhaps even the Hyundais I've driven. It's bang up, does a very good job. So that's your lane keeping. The distance management is very cool. I've got the car set for 65 miles per hour and I'm sitting behind traffic that's doing 55. So it's just taking care of that for me, which allows me to hold my recorder and talk to you about the experience on this car, which I'm liking. I said that the thing I possibly liked most about this car was the covers to the electric charging points. This car has an innovation on it which I have never experienced in any other car before. What is it? I'll tell you in the next section. Hey, guess what? I got to stop to charge. <laughs> I was on the M6 and the car calculated that it was something like 10 miles or 8 miles short of range to get to my sister's and I was going to pick up my sister and go and charge the car and sit with her in the car and have a cup of coffee while the car charged but I couldn't get there so I bailed and looked for a charging point that wasn't Ecotricity discovered an Instavolt charge point in a place called Penkridge, which is Wolverhampton-ish, I think, Staffordshire quite possibly. Not that far from Telford, ultimately. So, decided to charge that car. Oh, hang on, I'm going to think where I'm going. Where am I going? Canuck? Hang on. Gareth Jones on speed! Where was I? Uh, now that I've worked out actually where I was, because at that very moment I got a call back from Instavolt, who are the people who provided the electricity that is propelling me forward in this car again at this moment, currently now on the A5, sort of Shropshire, heading towards North Wales, the borderlands, the marches. Ha <laughs> lovely. Yeah, the, the Welsh lands, which we let England look after for us. <laughs> so I had an interesting charging experience. This is only the second charging experience with this car. First one yesterday, very fast, as you know. Connected, disconnected, no trouble. You know what's coming, don't you? This time, pulled up, put the car on charge without an Instavolt account just swipe your credit card it starts charging and it was putting it in a good rate 50 kilowatts which I'm happy with I had a chat with a nice chap with a Mercedes EQB is that what it's called yeah similar to this in many ways and he was charging his car up on the next charger very lovely fella from Edinburgh Glasgow and Hull, all over the place. Fantastic chap. A lovely chat with him about what it's like enjoying electric car ownership and how you have to adapt slightly, and how that's a good thing. When my car got up to 80% charge, which of course is the optimum to charge your car too, I swiped my card to end the charge, and it said charging complete, but it wouldn't disconnect from my car. And it said, card not accepted. 
card identification problem, which is crazy because that was the card I used to instigate the charge, so it had recognised it. And it gave me all the charging details on the screen and everything. It was crazy. So I had to phone up, and eventually, lovely Jennifer, once we got disconnected, called me back and had spoken to some people, taken advice, tried cycling the car, all sorts of things. Nothing would unlock the car. It had a green light on where the plug goes in the side of the car saying, I'm charging and I'm not letting go, I'm locked. We tried everything. It wouldn't unrelease it. It says, OK. I've just spoken to an engineer. It says, under the bonnet, there's a yellow physical tag. Pull that and you will disconnect it manually. It's like an override, a reset. Click, pull that, green light went out. I was free, which is a great shame because that charge happened pretty quickly. I don't know, 40 minutes maybe to get 80% charge. And it was instigated easily. Shame that it didn't disconnect. But then once I started rolling again, the phone rang and a chap from Instavolt called me to follow up. You know, hi Gareth, everything okay? How's it working? Listen, can you talk me through what happened? We're seeing a few reports of this happening on some pumps, but always with Audi e-trons so talk me through what happened and I told him the process and he reckons there's a code issue a disconnect code because it's the car that instigates the charge the car tells Instavolt I want charging send me some energy yes navigation I know where I'm going and so it starts the charge and then when it finishes the charge the car is sitting there going, I'm ready to charge, charge me up. You know, it hasn't said, okay, I'm cleared this lock. And that's a problem. But we found a way around it with the manual reset button under the bonnet. So if I ever get into a situation like that again, I know how to get out of it now. And that's okay because, you know, I'm new to this car, aren't I? I only got it yesterday, I only charged it twice. You know, how often do you make mistakes early on when you're adapting to something new? And that's part of the experience. So now I have that information. They have that information. Poor Rob from the customer care and the code customer help technology connection department, whatever it is at Instavolt. He, um, yes, I know where I'm going. Which church? I know. He gets to go home early if we solve this problem between us. And if I give him all the information I could, we had a good long chat on the phone. I told him, you know, the whole process. And he was genuinely interested and needed it to solve their code problem. So they can have a deep dive, he said, in the actual code for that session. So he knows what time my session started. He knows what time it finished. He's got data about the car and the account. So he can look at the code from my charging session and see at which line the code went wrong you know did it actually receive the disconnect code and did it not actually happen or did it not receive that code and yeah they can work from there fascinating hey we're all beta testers in the 21st century hello again it has been many days since I recorded the last section of this programme and many things have happened in my experience of electric car driving in an Audi e-tron. Yes, darling, you don't need to tell me. I know where I'm going. That's okay now. That's okay. I you remember when we last spoke, I think I charged in the Midlands on the way up to North Wales. Well, since I got up to North Wales, the charging experience has been a little bit mixed. I thought I'd go and visit my pal Steve Allen-Jones. You'll know Steve Allen-Jones, a member of the On Speed Band. He played keyboards when we did that gig, what, four or five years ago. He helps me produce many of the songs that appear in the show, and he's a great friend, and he lives in Rill. So I thought, all right, I'll get Steve to meet me at a rapid charge point in Rill. I go to Steve's, leave it on charge for an hour, boom, full car, then I can continue all my exploring of North Wales. Steve met me in Rill at what they call one of those destination charging points. You know, a charging point not at a motorway services, but at a supermarket, a Morrison's, in fact. So I put the car on charge, went back to Steve's, came back to the car. It hadn't flipping charged. Now, it took me three attempts to get the darn thing to start charging. 
and when I left it, it was charging, but when I came back, it had dropped off the charge. I tried to get it to start charging again, it wouldn't start charging again. Now, whether that was an issue with my account, my card, my car, that particular charger, who knows? I had to wait half an hour when I first arrived there because there was a guy with a Jaguar I-Pace and he managed to get a charge or he went off saying he'd got a charge. Who knows? So that was disappointing. Okay, I'm heading west, so I headed out onto the A55, the main road along the North Wales coast towards Conway, Bangor, Carnarvon, that part of the world. So off I headed and I'll try an ecotricity charging point at Kinmel Park. Now, I was using the Audi Find a Charger Point software that was on the car, that's built into the navigation, not using ZapMap. And maybe I should have used ZapMap. Because if I'd used ZapMap, if you're heading towards a charging point that has had problems reported, ZapMap will tell you. It'll have a red line around that particular charging point, saying, oh, problems issues reported find a better one but because i use the audi inbuilt system i didn't have that information of course i get to the ecotricity electric highway charging point and cannot get a charge tried swapping to another charger at the same service station can't get that working ended up on the phone to ecotricity and yeah oh no it'll only give a free vend and it'll give you like five miles charge for free but it wouldn't let me pay for a charge <sighs> ecotricity i so much want you to work because you provide my electricity at home and i want to support a pioneering organization who are offering a not-for-profit service what was that? I suddenly got an alert on the dash. Something about exterior mirrors, but I was unable to see what it was before it went away. Ooh, that's curious. So, yeah, once again, that didn't charge. Anyway, I managed to drive carefully to Conway, actually to Llandindon Junction, which is near Conway, and I found a charging point there provided by Podpoint which I got hooked up in seconds, I started charging, and it gave me a fantastic charge, fully charged in, what, 45, 50 minutes? Which was incredible. I must have been charging at 50 kilowatts there, and I was very pleased that that worked so very well. Easy when you know how. So it does restore confidence that it is possible to have an electric car and it is possible to find charging points that work and it is possible to get a rapid charge and it is possible to do massive journeys because we have cars now with good range and this Audi e-tron has a fantastic range but many things as I said have happened to me since that point I had a number of meetings to do in North Wales I had some recce in to do and one of those recce's involved going up to a reservoir in the Carrevi, this range of mountains that just on the edge of Snowdonia so we headed up there and there was a bit of a clump on the way up this stony old track didn't think anything of it parked up um, went to visit the reservoir came back to the car flat tyre oh that's okay I'll pop on the get you home tyre. So I searched the car, no get you home tyre. And I looked around and I couldn't find the emergency tyre repair kit. And I had a thorough, thorough look around the car. Couldn't find it. So I called the AA, and which is part of the Audi assist service. And the AA said, oh, we'll be there in 20 minutes. And it was more like 45 minutes before they'd actually got to us. To be fair, we were up a track halfway up a mountain. But the guy was local and knew where he was going. And he came and said, oh, I'll put on a get-you-home tyre. They had a transit van tyre. And with the right adapter, that would get me home. Could he make the adapter fit? No, the massive brake calipers on this car prevented that from happening so he 
tried a bit of alternative logic. Okay, if I can't get it on the front tyre, the one that's burst, let's put it on the back and put the decent rear tyre on the front. Good logic. Could he get his get your home tyre to fit on the rear? No, that couldn't fit either. So, bit of a warning there. If you're going to buy a Audi e-tron sportback i'd recommend having a get your home tire that you know is going to fit should you ever have a flat that's my advice so he had to resort to his last resort which is repair the damaged tire now this damaged tire remember hasn't got a nail in it it's been split by a rock that's what that bump was it was a rock on the apex of a wiggly bit of road and it actually slit the side of the tire enough to allow air out but the aa man was able to plug it with one of those sort of umbrella repair systems that you plug in that repair your tyre and it held pressure so it got me home yay the AA then offered to ferry the car home to London on a flatbed or back to Milton Keynes actually Audi headquarters and that was no good to me because I've brought so much stuff with me in the car camping gear swimming gear long story why and I wasn't going to be able to get all that home on the train so putting the thing on a flatbed wasn't an option even if I was allowed to travel in the wagon with the AA recovery guy remember there are all sorts of rules regarding Covid whether you're allowed to get in a vehicle with someone else now so I wasn't going to risk that so I thought okay I'll research getting a new tyre and I eventually discovered that no one could come and repair the tyre where I was in Conway for over a week wow but quick fit did have the tire i needed and could do it in a couple of days i had to wait till monday to do this and the blowout was on the saturday evening so monday morning i finally at lunchtime was able to commit to a decision located a nearby quick fit that could supply a tire great booked that in but i still had meetings to do so i got a rental car and went off and did my meetings in northwest wales in a rental car and then a wednesday the day that was booked to repair the car i dumped the rental car and ferried the audi to quick fit and the tire was there Woohoo! this is going very well i thought however there was a spaniel in the works it was the wrong tyre. There are two versions of the tyre that I had ordered online, which was a 265-45R21HXL. Is that what the tyre was? Forgive me if I've got that wrong. It's a massive 21-inch tyre. The two versions of it, there's an off-road spec and a road spec, and I'd ordered the only one available so you think that's the only tyre available but I'd actually ordered the off-road tyre and the one I needed to match all the others was the road spec tyre oh flipping trousers that was a disappointment but the man in quick fit said oh don't worry no no drama I can order you the other one it might arrive this afternoon it might arrive tomorrow you might have to wait till Friday drat that's me marooned in north wales for another couple of days you know love being in north wales but being in north wales without a car is a bit of a problem so i went with it asked them to order the replacement tire and just hung out at my brother's house and had a nice time at my brother's house climbing local mountains and eating local food and being local people and that was really nice a bit of quality time with my brother and eventually Thursday came I didn't hear from Quick Fit so I called to say oh did the tyre turn up they hadn't told me but oh yes Gareth it's all ready to go well why didn't you bloody tell me that would have been helpful how am I expected to know can you tell I'm gritting my teeth remaining calm remaining calm but they were as good as their word I went and got to the car and the correct tyre was fitted and they charged me the same regardless of what the difference was in the price of the tyres that was interesting and off I jolly well went picked up the car heading back to London now and of course I'm two days later than I said I was going to be now not thanks to electric car recharging but thanks to the simple action of just finding the right tyres how frustrating was that but we got there got there in the end and are now heading back to London but not before another local recharge and I found a charging point 
in North Wales. What was this one? This was what used to be the Polar Network, which is now part of BP Pulse. Is that what it's called now? BP Pulse? And it was okay. It took a couple of attempts to instigate the charge. I wasn't able to do it from my app. But I was able to do it as a guest from my credit card, which means I've been charged the higher rate, not the cheap rate that you get from the app. Hmm, I wonder if that was deliberate. But to be fair, it went from a 49% charge to a 100% charge in less than 45 minutes, charging at 50 kilowatts. Now, that's more like it. By the time I caught it with my sister, who I'd picked up and said, come on, let's go and park up, it was at a place called the Beaufort Park Hotel, which is a nice little old-school hotel near Mould in North Wales, where my sister lives. We were able to have a coffee and a biscuit and a good old catch-up, and bang, the car was charged. And you know this psychological leap that we all have to make to become electric car users that charging isn't instant it's not like putting fuel in the car and going you know it's a little more drawn out i've made that psychological leap and you know what so is my sister my sister said well that didn't seem long to charge at all i was expecting ages but felt like we've been here 10 minutes and you're right if you build it into your life make a small adaption is that a word if you adapt your life slightly your expectation slightly then electric car charging happens really quickly just build in that little stop that little extra sort of 20 minutes because normally if you stop at a fuel station by the time you've been for a wee and bought a sandwich and got a coffee and put fuel in the car and got back in your car that's 20 minutes you simply had another 20 minutes and that's a charge because the sweet spot of course is a charge up to 80 percent not up to 100 percent So let your car down to about 18 or 15% or 20% battery and then recharge it up to 80% and, you know, that's a very short period. You're adding perhaps only 10 minutes more to your stop, perhaps. Okay, you might have to make two of those stops on a journey, but it depends how long your journey is. And, of course, if you're driving for more than two, two and a half hours, then you absolutely should make a stop. That's what the government advises don't drive for more than two hours without taking a break that is sound advice isn't it we used to ignore that advice when we were younger but older people we're happy to take advice aren't we you know young people oh no no i can go 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 and it's intriguing because it's younger people who are the electric car drivers at the moment but us older people are we more adaptable i'm ready to adapt to it that absolutely works for me so there you go there's a, a bit of information about the charging experience of this car as far as this car itself is concerned do you know what it's fab it's really fab you know i'm a fan of tesla because i think the whole charging experience that comes with tesla makes that car a very viable idea and this audi audi were one of the first people to get on the electric car bandwagon that's the wrong word isn't it on the electric car revolution say yeah we can do that we'll do that Audi were one of the first them and Jaguar and whilst I don't have any first-hand personal experience of the Jaguar I-Pace I have good experience now of the Audi experience and yeah it works the multiple charging ports on your car is a nice idea that gives you a bit of charging flexibility I know it will charge at a good rate. I've charged at a fantastic rate in London, as you know. And that's the key difference. The rate at which your car will charge. It's not necessarily how big your battery pack is. But the rate at which you will charge is more important. And this car will charge... Okay. It's now telling me that I get up for the M56 and onto the M6 and head south. Because if you are doing a series of short hops with fast charge, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. And as a piece of engineering, this car communicates with the pumps really well. There have been a couple of issues, but I'm sure that's a network issue rather than a car issue. And I'm sure Audi are on top of that. And I'm sure... Please turn off to the left half 
I know! I know! I'm in the correct lane! Would you like me to get over another lane? And it's really helpful. As a driving experience, this thing is lovely. Man, it's quiet. I noticed because my brother gave me a lift in his little Kia Picanto. Yeah, I know a Picanto is a little three-cylinder vibro engine, but it seemed so noisy compared to the electric driving experience that it was noticeable. I think one of the options that this car has is acoustically enhanced glass and yeah, it's really quiet. It truly, truly is. It's a lovely thing. I was driving around with my sister and my sister said, oh, I can talk to you without shouting because we're quite loud in our family. My sister had to lower her voice she was quiet oh i've just pulled up alongside the tesla equivalent of this car it's a tesla model x they're four by four their suv i should say rather than four by four it's right in front of me with its slopey back and you know how i said very early on in the start of the review of this car in this episode is there a more hateful car than the BMW X6, which this car in some way shares a profile with. When I look at this car, I don't find it hateful like the BMW X6. Why is that? I don't know why that is. Maybe because we all hate the X5. But I just pulled up alongside a Model X and I'm thinking, yeah, man, I'm the same as you. It looks a bit taller than this car, a little bit narrower, a little bit sleeker. And you know how I said at the start of the show, if you have a car this big, why don't you have a vertical back? It makes more sense. And if I was going to have this car, I'd probably go for the non-sport back version just to maximise the space available. Because I did fill my boot. (laughs) Fill your boots. I did actually fill my boot on this car of stuff. I mean, I have got a tent, a bed, a wetsuit, my swimming equipment, my clothes for a week my computer bag a big box of stuff to drop off with friends back home I had loads and loads and loads of stuff and I just get the feeling that if I had a car with a vertical boot it would have fitted in without having to put my computer bag on the back seat I mean the boot was absolutely full but who knows who knows maximize the space but do I love this car or do I like this car somewhere in between the two truth be told It's in between like and love. I love the electric car experience now. I'm starting to feel in such a way now that every time I get a car for Gareth Jones on speed, I should be getting an electric car. Why? Well, because of the driver experience. And I don't just mean the silence of electric running. I mean the performance. We all know that electric cars can outperform internal combustion engine cars because of their incredible torque from zero and this car satisfies that never once have I felt that this car lacks performance there are a number of drive mode selects I've been driving around in efficiency but I could drive in one of the other modes as well I'm just cycling through them now efficiency comfort all road what's the other one auto maybe I should have selected all-road or off-road for when I was (laughs) off-road I don't know if it would have pointed up that the stones were a little sharp and I should avoid them who knows maybe it would have used the air suspension to stick me up a little bit higher I don't know we didn't need the ground clearance but this car it coped with that apart from the burst tires maybe I should have done a more robust off-road tire Ergonomically, this car is amazing. It has two technological things which I have never experienced in a car before. I did mention them before. The one I was going to mention were the wing mirrors because this car doesn't have any wing mirrors. It has virtual wing mirrors. So instead of having ruddy great big wind jammers sticking out either side of the driver and passenger's window it's got two stalks and on the end of those stalks cameras and it has two video screens 
for the output of those cameras on the driver and passenger's door the front driver and front passenger's door just above where the door handle is so in the junction between the door and the dashboard and it took me I would say 24 hours to adapt to that I kept looking instinctively out of the window at where the wing mirror should be or would be and then you have to glance down you see out your peripheral vision oh no the actual view is in the door and now I do it instinctively it took a lot more to adapt to the right hand the driver's side wing mirror than the passenger side the passenger side you glance over and you have a much wider field of view don't you so you instinctively see the wing mirror view in the passenger door more easily than you do in the driver's door and they work they work I did notice on one occasion when it was dark that one of the cars behind me must have had LED lights that were blinking and were blinking at a similar or a slightly different refresh rate to the refresh rate of the camera and the screen I was viewing on because I saw a flashing light. I didn't see a steady light. You know when you're watching LMP1 cars at Le Mans on TV... I remember noticing that the Audis a few years ago, the laser headlights that they had on those cars blinked. And you could see them blinking constantly, but when you viewed them with your own eyesight, they weren't blinking. It was only the refresh rate of the television camera or the screen that you were watching it on that made it appear as if they were blinking. And the same thing happened for one car, one car only. I can't remember what that car was. So, yeah, they work even at night. I was thinking, oh, at night it's not going to be the same as a mirror. But you know what? It's no different to looking at a mirror in low light. They really work. Are there any advantages? Well, that stalk is less likely to get hit by a car going past if you're parked. And you've got an aerodynamic advantage, an efficiency advantage, which, of course, is crucial for an electric car. Any disadvantages? Well, you know what? With a wing mirror, you always glance at your wing mirror before you open your door and get out of your car, don't you? So an electronic virtual wing mirror, if that wing mirror turns off the second that you turn your engine off, then you're in trouble. But fair play, Audi, they thought about this. And the virtual wing mirrors, the display rather, the camera and the display, stays on until you've opened the door and you get out of the car. So you can last glance in your door to see if there's a car coming before you open your door. Nice. And of course, those little things that you get, you know, you get a yellow light around a wing mirror these days. If there's a car passing you, you get that on the display here. So it does everything a wing mirror does all in one place. I like it. I like it. And it's the one thing that's marvelled people. They've noticed, oh, no wing mirrors as they get in the car. Yeah, virtual wing mirrors. It's modern. It's the future. But this car has another technology on board that I've never experienced before in any car. The display is massive. It's great. There's a big old display in the dashboard. And then there's a secondary display sitting lower down in the central partition between the driver and the passenger seat. And that normally shows, uh, well, at the moment, it's showing the heating and the seat heating and everything. But if you go to telephone and you want to look up a phone number, that screen goes blank. Let me see if I can do it now. Select telephone, I go search. Yeah, and on that lower screen, apart from blank, there's a picture of a hand with a wiggly wiggly sign on it, which means use your hand to write a letter, you know, freehand. Do you remember the old palm pilot thing where you could write letters with your finger or using a stylus? It's like that. So it was very easy because I'm right handed driving the car, I could reach down with my left hand and write a, a G or a C or an A or whichever address I was looking for, and it immediately starts offering up letters and it read it really well and actually I found it slightly easier to use than the alternative because if you press the X on that screen it gives you a traditional keyboard layout as well but actually I found the right technique really worked really well never had that on a car before really like it it worked 
this car it's a good driving experience it doesn't roll because the battery pack is so low it has a functional range because the battery pack is so big it's well built because it comes from a car manufacturer that you know and have a trusted experience with it's an Audi Audi you know one of the last cars I tested for Gareth Jones on speed was an Audi I loved that TTRS and you know what I think I love this car too if I wasn't on a long journey and I was a bit more heavily footed with the car and I drove it like a sports car I might love this car too because I know it would reward me in a sporting way but because I'm on a long journey and it's an electric car I'm actually driving a little more softly so I've adapted to this car and I will continue to adapt to this car yeah so lots to say about this car it's beautiful it's quiet it's stately it's got a slight air of Rolls Royce dare I say about it of stateliness it's huge presence on the road it's quiet and that's no mean thing is it now is that attributable to all electric cars or is it this particular electric car because it has that acoustic glass and the silence of the drivetrain and that's no mean thing a car which gives you Rolls Royce levels of presence and authority and quiet and stateliness that's something do you know what when I was in Thandidna Junction on the way back the other day, Thandidna Junction is not only the name of a region of Thandidna, but it's also the name of a train station too, it really is. When I was in Thandidna Junction waiting for my connection, a train came into the station, and instead of being the usual colours of Transport for Wales, red, white and green of course, or the more neutral colours of Intercity, whatever they're called the, this week, it's all changed, it used to be Virgin, it's not anymore a brown train came into the station and it was was it called statesmanline.com or something I can't quite recall now but it was a special service from Hull which used old carriages and old engines they were diesel engines noisy filthy diesel engines but the whole statesman like service was you know a slow journey where you get to eat in first class or travel first class or even the second class was kind of old school it was something for rail enthusiasts but I actually thought it appealing I thought wow that's a different kind of travel the journey takes a little bit longer it's a bit more luxurious and I could get into that I could dig that I quite enjoy that and it never occurred to me before but in that moment I thought man that's like the journey I'm doing in this Audi e-tron it's going to take a little bit longer but it's a bit more luxurious and it feels more like an event I kind of like that for someone who's into cars and you're into cars because you're listening to this programme if that journey takes a little bit longer but it feels like an event that's a wonderful thing and I think Tesla achieved that it feels like an event and travelling in an Audi e-tron feels like an event that's an achievement that's special I like it so I think I'm somewhere between like and love this car for that reason it's an enthusiast's car this is which seems like an anomaly if it's an electric car but it is absolutely that because I know it will go like <whistles> off a shovel I know it will go round corners and grip because it's a quattro it rides smoothly because of its air suspension and its electric drive it is an astonishing achievement this car now I could leave it there but I'm going to read you the spec and the pricing of this car when I do my next stop because I've got to stop to recharge one more time on the journey home and because I've got to eat so I'll make an event of it and I will stop and I will read you the full spec of this car the full price and all the options when I do that but for the moment this is some achievement this car let me tell you Audi can do electric cars I know because I've driven other electric cars from Tesla from Hyundai yeah and Audi can do it this is something 
do you know what I'm actually getting hungry already and I've still got a range of 141 miles before I have to stop that's okay I just press the uh, I don't know what Audi called their driver assist program but it keeps a distance from the car in front it keeps in lane and I like the way it reminds you to put your hands back on the steering wheel without beeping it's just a little yellow light comes on the dash beautiful this is a lovely way to travel It's recharge time, which means that you get a bonus section to this program with a bit of info about the technical spec of the car that I'm driving, which is an Audi e-tron Sportback 55 Quattro. I'm actually charging on the M6 motorway at Corley Services at the moment. I have issued the ecotricity charging points which look rusty and awful conveniently located next to the opening to the services and instead i'm using the charge point instavolt charging system which is amazing it looks really nice they've taken a bit of the tesla culture if you ever seen a tesla charging point they're really simple and elegant and just turn up plug in and they look modern and the instavolt chargers look modern and it's the first time i've seen so many in a row there are seven in a row here so i tidily parked myself down one end and started charging i don't know if i managed to start it using my card or using my phone i don't know but it's charging and it's telling me that in 36 minutes i will have a 75 percent charge or something like that which is amazing i'm already at 67 percent, and that's eight quid anyway okay that's the charging here's the car the peak electrical output of this car is 300 kilowatts. Continuous electrical output in kilowatts is 100 kilowatts. The peak electrical output boost in kilowatts is 300 kilowatts. The electrical torque output, this is newton meters, is 561. It's a lot of torque, isn't it? Electrical torque output in boost is 664 newton meters. The battery type is lithium ion. The battery energy content is 95 kilowatt hours. Useful. With a maximum electrical output at 12 volts in kilowatts is 3. Onboard voltage 1 in volts is 12 volts. Onboard voltage 3 in volts is 400. Yeah, it's a 400 volts system, this. It's only got one speed, single speed transmission. Let's look at some of the facts and figures here. Steering, electromechanical progressive steering with speed dependent power assistance. Yeah, it's fairly hefty. Like I said, I had a period where I had a rental car for a day. And that was a Ford Focus. And that felt like, I don't know, playing badminton compared to this which felt like lumping a medicine ball around it's a much heavier steering experience in this car top speed of this car is limited to 124 miles per hour electrical acceleration 0 to 100 kilometers per hour so that's 62 miles per hour is 6.6 seconds i think i said it was five point something previously didn't i forgive me it is 6.6 however it is 5.7 if you're in boost so if you're in performance mode, I suppose, if you ask it to really go for it, it will deliver. And here's the most valuable, perhaps, piece of information here. And I'm not certain how this works, but I'm going to take a guess. Electrical power consumption. Okay, so this is combined in kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers. So that's 26.0 to 21.9. That's the WLTP figure kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers between 26 and 21.9 so that mean average of what 2.6 2.2 per 10 kilometers is that how it works i'm not sure electrical range based on current consumption using wltp driving cycle up to 241 miles that's the S-Line launch edition, up to. I think that's probably fair. I'm batting along at motorway speeds, and I'm getting around 180 miles, I think. And I think if you were doing 30 or 40 miles per hour, you'd probably get that sort of range. So, 
Here's the final bit for you. The car, which is an e-tron Sportback 55 Quattro SI, and the basic price is £79,185. Exterior colour, Catalonia Red, they call it. I wouldn't disagree with that. Catalonia is a great name for a colour. Interior Super Sport seats in black, Valcona leather, and rock grey diamond stitching, and they are comfortable. I haven't even noticed the seats. It's just one of those seats... Yeah, that's work. I'm comfortable. Options. Wall-mounted bracket for compact charging, £150. Virtual door mirrors, £1,250. Really? £1,250 for those two cameras and screens? Okay, okay. The tour pack, I'm not sure what the tour pack includes, £1,950. Side assist, including pre-sense rear, £625. Comfort and sound pack, 1895 I think that includes the acoustic glass, so that's nice. Orange e-tron brake calipers, £425. Storage and luggage package, £125. Acoustic glazing side windows, that's a separate issue then, £525. Electrically adjustable steering column, £425. Panoramic glass sunroof, that's a lovely massive sunroof. It takes ages to open though. It really does. And the cover for it. £1,475. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Rear side airbags and illuminated seat buckles, £475. Tire pressure monitoring system, £325. Four-zone deluxe automatic climate control, so that's split left and right in the rear and in the front, £825. Virtual cockpit plus £150. What's that? What's the virtual cockpit plus? What's that? Extra detail on the screen? Oh, that second screen, maybe. That's what it is. Audi Beam, 150 Audi Beam, only available standard equipment on launch edition and Vorsprung. And the government grant. Now, this is the £3,000 that you get back from the government for buying an electric car. It doesn't apply anymore because this car is over that government threshold. The total price of this car, with all the options, is £89,470. That includes delivery charge and first registration fee. So, a £90,000 car... It's a lot of money, but it truly is a lot of car. It's a car with an astounding ability to charge quickly, a useful range, incredible levels of refinement. And that's it. That's what does it for me. It's the fact that it feels so serene, this car. It truly does. And it feels purposeful as well like if i wanted to go racing it's a bit of a big thing to chuck around but it could be chucked around i like this car a lot one final thing before i go on protocol with recharging having got me burger came back to the charging point and i parked my this i won't say mine i parked this audi e-tron down one end of the row of chargers number seven and i noticed parked at the other end number one was another Audi e-tron. Not the Sportback, but the e-tron. More like an estate. And looking at it, you know what I said about the amount of space that you lose because of a sloped back? I don't think you lose much space at all looking at the difference between the two of them alongside each other. So maybe there are no compromises in this car. But here's a word on that protocol. It was interesting. This guy was recharging his car as far away from mine as possible. Like blokes standing in urinals at public toilets. You never go next to the person, do you? You go as far away as humanly possible. Which is weird, because we are in the same club. We're in the fans of the Audi e-tron club. and fans of Instavolts who do good charging and fans of electrical driving. I hope you are too. This has been a slightly longer than I intended edition of Gareth Jones on Speed. I hope you enjoyed it. See you for the next one. Happy charging, friends. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!